Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Prayer ought to be a real part of our lives. It ought to be something that we are engaged in, not occasionally, but regularly and consistently. Now, this prayer was not just a momentary prayer, but it was a prayer that reflected intimacy with God. See, it was intercession based on a relationship with God. And you could see that in verses 16 to 21. You see Abraham's intimacy with God. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives. God wants us to communicate with Him regularly. The way in which we do that is through prayer. Pastor Ed tells us that Abraham interceded with God on behalf of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. We see that God listened to him and lowered the standard of judgment which he would hold over the cities because of Abraham's request. We also find through this that God considered him a friend. From this we learn that God will take our prayers into consideration and that he thinks of us as friends. Now, here's Pastor Ed with today's message. Building in faith. Continuing our series in the life of Abraham, God is teaching him some important lessons. He's bringing him to a place a new place of faith in his walk and his journey with God. And in chapter 18, God is developing in Abram, or Abraham now, the ministry of intercession, the ministry of prayer. Beginning to read with verse 16. When the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then so the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down to see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, 
What if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. God is taking Abraham on a journey of faith. He's stretching his faith. He's growing him in his walk. And now he's taking him to the place where he's going to teach him how to stand in the place of intercession, in the place of prayer. Now, sometimes in the church, we make the mistake to think that intercession, God will hear us if we pray real loud. Now, I'm reminded when I hear that of the story of the mother and the son. The little boy was going to sleep at night, and before he went to sleep, he was praying with his mother. And his prayer went something like this. Oh, God, please bless mommy, bless daddy, bless my sister. And, oh, God, give me a brand new bicycle. The mother said, son, God can hear you. He's not deaf. He said, oh, no, I know that, mommy. But grandma is in the next room, and she's hard of hearing. Well, sometimes we feel that if we cry out loud enough, God's going to hear us, or we go to the other's extreme. We are so silent in our prayers. It's like, The person who said, some church members are so introverted, they can't even lead in a silent prayer. Think about that. Now, prayer ought to be a real part of our lives. It ought to be something that we are engaged in, not occasionally, but regularly and consistently. Now, this prayer was not just a momentary prayer, but it was a prayer that reflected intimacy with God. See, it was intercession based on a relationship with God. And you could see that in verses 16 to 21. You see Abraham's intimacy with God. You see this relationship that he has. See, Abraham has a relationship with God, and out of that relationship is going to grow this prayer life. He has confidence to go before God because he knows God personally. In verses 16 to 17 in our biblical text, let's read it. When one of the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? He recognized that Abraham was his friend. He recognized that Abraham had a relationship with God. Three times in the Bible, Abraham is called the friend of God. 
Now, that's an incredible title. That's a, an incredible accolade. Now, I understand we could say God is our friend. Jesus is the friend that sticketh closer than the brother. We know that to be true. We've been through hard places, difficult places, and we've found God faithful in all of those places. But for God to call us his friend is another thing. In Isaiah chapter 41, 8, it reads, But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. When God looked at Abraham, he looked at him and said, This man has a relationship with me, and he is a friend to me. If God were to look at you and to look at me, could he say that you're his friend? Will you do the things that are right and pleasing? Will you keep his word? Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friend. I recently heard the story about E. Stanley Jones the great missionary evangelist to India of decades ago, last century. On a regular basis, he would come back to the States. And in order to raise money for his ministry and for the mission in India, he would designate a time where he would visit various cities. And when he would fly to that city, he would always have three meetings, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one at evening. And he needed to do this to raise the adequate funds for his ministry. Well, one time when he was online in an airport, they made an announcement over the PA that uh, they had overbooked this particular flight. And if anybody would like to exchange their ticket, they would give them a free round ticket to anywhere that airline had flown. And so as East Stanley Jones heard that, he felt a twinge on the inside that he should go But he argued with himself and said, no, I have to take this flight because if he didn't, he wouldn't be able to keep those meeting appointments and he wouldn't be able to raise the funds that he needed. And so he remained on the line as he went a little further and the line, he got a little closer to the front. Again, he had this feeling, I should exchange my ticket. But he pushed it down again because it just didn't make sense to him. And finally, when there was just one person before him, E. Stanley Jones stood there, and it came so powerfully to his spirit that he had to get off the line. And so he got off the line, and uh, he turned his ticket in, got another ticket. That airplane crashed, and everyone in that flight died. The newspaper reporters caught wind of it. And it was news that here, E. Stanley Jones, this famous evangelist, was scheduled to be on this flight, and for some reason, he just stepped off it. And so when the newspaper reporters came and they interviewed him, he told them the story. He told them how he was on that line and he felt he had to get off, and they became irate, angry with him. They said, do you mean to say that God loved you more than everybody else on that plane? Do you mean to say that you're a favorite with God? And E. Stanley Jones says, no, no, no. You're misunderstanding me. God loved them as much as he loved me. The only difference was this. I was listening. When you're a friend of God, he speaks. He talks to you. He communicates with you. And God said, shall I tell Abraham? 
Yes. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it reads, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servant, the prophets. In Psalm 25, 14, it reads, The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. We see that his intercession was based on intimacy with God. He had a relationship to God. But also something else. He, was, he had a responsibility to God as well. You can see that in verses 18 and 19, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on the earth will be blessed through him. God had chosen Abraham as a spiritual leader. And because you are a spiritual leader, it doesn't mean that it limits your leadership to a church fellowship. No, God had chosen Abraham to impact the world and to impact the powers to be. And there Abraham was. And God said, I've chosen him to be a blessing to the nations. See, God has called us to be salt and light to this world. He's called us to have influence in Washington and in Moscow and in London and other centers of the earth. God has called us to be, as it were, his representatives in a way taking dominion with him of the earth. There's something else in this text too. If you read the text, he was to communicate God's justice and righteousness to his posterity. What God was saying is this, you are to interpret events to your children and to your contemporaries. He was going to interpret what was happening in their time to those who lived in his community. There would be those who said, why in the world did this happen to Sodom and Gomorrah? Why in the world were these cities completely destroyed and leveled to the ground? What type of God would do such a thing? Abraham would interpret the events of his time in the light of God's character. In the light that God judges the ungodly and that he judges sin. See, our world resents that. They want a God who winks at their sins, who overlooks their offenses, who turns the other way when sin is committed. But that's not the God of the universe. That's not Yahweh. That's not Jehovah. That's not the Almighty. And so Abraham was going to interpret the heart of God to his culture, to his community. And the church needs to have that prophetic voice so that we interpret as it were the character and the actions and the deeds of God to our generation. There's something else in these verses. As you look at verse 19, it says, So he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. That's verse 19. See, Abraham had the responsibility of teaching his children and later generations about God, that God does judge sin. When the Hebrews would take up their scriptures as they journeyed through the desert, as they had left Egypt, and Moses had published this book, Genesis, they would read about Abram and they would say, yes, God does judge sin. 
He does judge nations as people day and night meditated on the word of God and they went on their campaign to conquer the land of promise. They would remember that God was judging the inhabitants of the land for their sins. They would go back to the story of Abraham and they would remember his intercession. They would remember his prayer. They would remember God's judgment. See, we communicate to our children about God and how he works, our deeds and our words, our life and what we teach. We are showing and demonstrating to our children what God is like. Now there are some who are just, just too kind to sin. If you fail to reverence God, there's a high likelihood that your children will never reverence you. I think of Eli, the high priest of Israel, in the book of 1 Samuel. He was both a priest and a judge in Israel. He failed to honor, to reverence God, and he treated his own children with deference in the sense that he didn't rebuke them in the way they needed to be rebuked as they sinned. And because of Hophni and Phinehas' sin in the household of God, God brought judgment on that house. God brought judgment on Israel. God brought judgment on Eli. His own sons disrespected him and God. We have a responsibility to teach our children the things of God. Don't make the mistake and say, listen, I'm going to let them just grow up and make their own choices. They'll make the right decision. It's their decision to make whatever church, wherever they want to go. No, 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 a thousand times. No, we are called to instruct our children, to nurture them in the faith, to teach them the ways of God. They're just not going to happen on their own. Uh, Listen to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah. Amen. In Jeremiah 10.23, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. We need to give our children a lamp unto their feet, which would be a light unto their way. We need to give them the compass of God's word to guide them to the true north. We need to instruct them in God's righteousness. And God said, I'm chosen Abraham. I'm going to bless him because I know he's going to take that responsibility seriously. Abraham was to show them how to walk before God. So we see in this intimacy with God, this relationship that Abraham had, he was a friend of God. We see that this relationship with God was such a powerful relationship because it bore responsibility. He was, had a covenant relationship with God and he had responsibility, a responsibility to the nations, a responsibility to his culture, a responsibility to his children. And God said, I'm going to speak to him. But there's something else. There's a revelation. In verses 18 to 20, it says, then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I'll go down and see what, if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me, if not, I will know. Uh, look carefully at those verses. They tell us that God went down and examined things to see if it were so. See, God does not arbitrarily judge nations or people. It's not in a moment of anger, in a 
burst of anger. God contemplates, examines. He knows for a fact the condition of all nations and people in the hearts of men and women. And so he judges righteously and rightly. And God says to Abram, I'm going to judge and I'm going to see if this is so. Notice what the text says, the outcry. Up in heaven, they heard something. It wasn't just the music. It wasn't just the loud noise of the city streets. No, it was something more that they heard up in heaven that God heard. It was the sin of people crying out for judgment. The outcry came up to God's ears. I think of Ezekiel, where Ezekiel says, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty. They did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them, as you have seen. Their sin was not only in morality and decadence, but their sin was injustice. They were cruel to people. They did not care about the poor and the needy. They turned the other way. When there were needs and concerns, there was oppression. In the Bible, it says that when Cain killed Abel, Abel's blood spilt into the ground. And God makes this comment. He says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. In the New Testament, James, our Lord's brother, who wrote the book of James, says this. In James chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. There was unjust injustice. Our sins, we may silence our conscience, but they continue to cry out to God for judgment. We may block our ears and close our eyes and try our best to ignore the reality of the sins that we've committed and that our world has committed, but nevertheless, they will cry out to God, calling forth for God's judgment to come down. Our city streets, where people are caught in the terrible cycle of welfare, unable to get out, unable to get a future for themselves. I think about... How in America we spend more money on pet food than we do in feeding the hungry around the world. And night after night, children go to sleep with empty stomachs, starving. I think about women caught in the cycle of prostitution being used by men and the pornography industry. And the abortion, all of those little children that have their life snuffed out even before they had an opportunity to breathe or see this world, it's all crying out to God for judgment. See, God hears. He knows. But God has called you and I to stand as it were on the walls, praying and interceding, standing in the gap in prayer. It has been said, and if you often read books on prayer, there's a consistency when they talk about prayer. They often say the highest calling of the believer is the ministry of intercession. Prayer is not to be used as a strategy on just occasions, in just times of emergency. No, prayer is the home of the soul. 
As we walk through the life of Abraham, we ultimately see that God did indeed fulfill every promise. Even though Abraham was very old and his wife had been barren for years and years, God's will could not be prevented from happening. The promised child was born and the nation of Israel began. Abraham followed God's directions even when it didn't make any sense. And his faith stands out as a shining example to us today. Even when life around you doesn't make sense, God's purposes can't be stopped. He'll do everything he's promised. We hope these messages have been encouraging to you also as you journey along this life with the Lord. We love bringing the word to you, but we know that life is meant to be done in community with others. Are you plugged into a local church? If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. Our services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. You can find out more on our website, buildinginfaithradio.com, or give us a call at 845-462-5955. We'd love to talk with you about any questions you have or walk through what it means to give your life to Christ. That number once again is 845-462-5955. That's all we have time for today. We pray you step forward in faith, leaning on God to provide all you need along the way. Join us again on Building in Faith Radio to learn more about the life of Abraham with Dr. Ed Jones. Your word restores.